good evening. We're thankful you're here this evening for the good attendance at our service. We appreciate as well those who were able to be here a little while earlier for our teacher's dinner and those who had a part in taking taking part in that and helping it to, to come about even after several delays. We were thankful for that and the good work that those did. We appreciate our teachers so much and the time that we can spend to honor them is very important. I will say that you all have continued to challenge me. I joke about that. Uh, the first Sunday there preaching with the food wafting in. This morning after a long trip trying to keep everybody awake who had been on the trip. Now tonight everybody who's eaten and their stomachs are full trying to keep them awake. So, But I do have to tell one on Bill since I, I'm talking about that. Last Sunday morning uh, I stopped Bill and asked him if he had the opening prayer reminded him. And he said, I think I'll still be awake then during that time. And I said, well, I won't have been up there yet. So it's not my fault if you're, if you're asleep before the closing prayer. That's not my problem. I didn't cause that. So, But uh, we joke about it, and we appreciate so much the love of the congregation here uh, and all of you getting to know you. And, uh, from again, from our family, we've said that several times. We appreciate so much the love of this congregation and things like a teacher's dinner or uh, all the things we've been a part of yesterday. Uh, as we had the drive home, Hannah and I were even talking for a few moments about uh, remembering the 4th of July. Um, of course, a lot of you, that was the first time we had met you from our family, and uh, I told her I'd been on Facebook, our Facebook page and seen some, seen some of the pictures that several had put up, and I look back on that, and I see your faces that we know so well, and I think, I didn't have a clue who those people were then, uh, but it just shows, you know, how the family works together, and we've talked about that some even this morning, and how we get to know each other so well and so quickly, and we appreciate you all so much. We began a series of lessons last Sunday morning, and I mentioned to you that I wanted to continue on with them, not necessarily on any particular pace or necessarily every week. In fact, I wanted to introduce it last Sunday morning, but kind of wanted to maybe move the lessons to a Sunday night, sort of a Sunday night series. We'll be gone next Sunday night. We'll be at North Hamilton, so again, we'll kind of skip around a little bit. But the thought, of course, in continuing with what we talked about, with the idea of the fact that there are people sometimes who just aren't as well known. I mean, you think about the folks who sometimes get attention, um, even in a congregation. You know, everybody knows the preacher. Everybody sees the preacher. The preacher's up there. You know, the song leaders. Everybody should hopefully know the elders, the deacons, that kind of thing. But how many people behind the scenes does it take to get the work done? That's certainly the case when it comes to our jobs many times. We think about all the folks uh, that it takes to get something done, to get something accomplished. And a lot of times it's the folks who do the dirty work, we might say. Uh, who really do a lot of the hard work, and they don't really get any credit for that sometimes. And we kind of made the application, of course, and began to kind of piece this together, thinking about that usually when we watch a movie, you see the beginning, and we talked a little bit about uh, the credits of a movie. I, I did a little research on that. I shared some of that with you last week. Uh, but you know, for many, many years, the, their credits were only at the beginning. And of course, a lot of times, that was simply the stars' names, the stars of the movie, their names, and that was about it. Maybe three or four scenes, that was about it. You might see a, a picture such as, this, uh, such as this one, of course, of the Lion and MGM. We think about the introduction to a movie. You watch the whole movie, and you're uh, in, you know, encouraged by it. And then, of course, with many movies, such as those uh, like The Wizard of Oz, you know, it would actually pop up on the screen and say, The End. And then we would see a list of names begin to run, crawl up the screen. I mentioned to you last week that you know some of them now last seven, eight, even ten minutes to get through all of those who have helped with this particular movie. 
But I ask you, if I were to ask you if you knew the recording director or the special effects person or the film editor for The Wizard of Oz, the chances are most of you, myself included, would not be able to name any of these people because we don't really pay attention to the credits of the movie. It's real easy for someone to become lost in the credits. Sometimes we feel that way. But we know that we can have an impact on the world around us. We don't always have to get top billing. We can be like some of these folks who, who are even unnamed in the Bible. Or others that maybe we read, as we talked about last Sunday morning, even just two verses about the particular Jonathan that we were talking about, to know something that they did and maybe learn a few lessons from their life. When we talk about being lost in the credits, we introduced it last week with talking about the idea that there may be, and there are, I would say, lots of people in the Bible that we might call ordinary. Ordinary people who were made extraordinary or extraordinary by God. Something that they did, that they accomplished, some type of example that they set for those around them. And of course, by inspiration, that carries on even to us today. If you've got your Bible this evening, we want to look at 1 Kings chapter 22. 1 Kings chapter 22. Now, some of the names that we talk about over the course of this lesson, these or these series, this series, you may have heard some of these names before. Uh, Micaiah may be someone in 1 Kings chapter 22 that you are familiar with or aware of this particular occasion. I know that we don't like the word homework, especially not when it comes to church things sometimes. But your homework for the week is to go home and read this entire chapter, or at least through verse 40, uh, because it just would encourage you to remember some of this. We're going to touch on most of the story tonight, but maybe it would encourage you to think about it. Obviously, for the sake of time, we won't read all of the 40 verses here. But as we begin in 1 Kings chapter 22, we meet a person by the name of Jehoshaphat. Now, you know, it's interesting sometimes. My father-in-law has pointed this out in many of his sermons. Uh, the idea that we name our children sometimes for biblical people. I don't know if, if Jehoshaphat is one that you would go after or not for a child or grandchild of yours, but uh, Jehoshaphat is known as one of the very best kings in the southern kingdom of Judah. And when we talk about Jehoshaphat, there are whole lessons that can be attributed to the good things that he did as king. But he had a problem, and one of his problems was that he didn't always allow the lines that exist between those in fellowship with God and those not in fellowship with God to be obvious. Those lines were sometimes blurred. We use the word gray sometimes, the gray area of life. He would try to kind of fall into those lines as opposed to drawing this line of those who would be in fellowship with God. And he sometimes would assist those who would be considered an enemy of God, even Ahab. Well, I mean, there's your name that you know that you probably wouldn't name your child possibly. I don't think we have any Ahabs here, do we? Before I get too far in this. Okay. Ahab here is stirring up war. Uh, again, we won't have time to go through every particular verse. But if you're looking at it there, you might see in some of the verses, including in verse 3 there, the beginning of some of this. But Ahab is stirring up war. And he wants Jehoshaphat to go with him into this war. And of course, old Jehoshaphat here in verse 4 makes the statement, what's yours or what's mine is yours. He says, I am as you are. My people is your people. My horses as your horses. And we, we stop and we say, what? With Ahab? This person? Don't you know who Ahab's wife is? Jezebel, there's you another name to maybe to avoid. Jezebel and Ahab, this is who we're talking about and you're going to go along with what they say? 
Ahab, the leader of the apostate northern kingdom. That's who you're going to go along with. But Jehoshaphat has some trouble sometimes saying no. He has a little bit of difficulty here again in drawing these lines and saying no to someone who would do something who might be considered an enemy of God. And so they've got a bit of a problem here. Well, enter Micaiah here at the beginning of 1 Kings chapter 22. Again, we're going to point out some of the verses as we get into our lesson. But what we'd like to do tonight is kind of touch on it and think of about three or four things here this evening. Lessons that we can look at the actions that Micaiah took, the words that he used, and maybe make application for ourselves. We think about somebody that maybe is a name you've not heard before, or not heard in a while at least, but he made an impact. In 1 Kings chapter 22, as it's recorded for us here in our Bible, he made an impact on the situation here. And I think we can see as an ordinary person whose name might not be known that well, he was doing good things, and maybe we can take some lessons from that even this evening. Number one, this evening, he was determined to speak only what the Lord revealed. He was determined to speak only what the Lord revealed. First Kings chapter 22 and verse 14 says, And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. Pretty cut and dry, pretty plain and simple, even we talked about in our lesson this morning. What the Lord tells me to say, that's exactly what I'm going to say. No more, no less. That is what I am going to speak. When we think about ordinary people, ordinary people trying to do extraordinary things for God, this is a good lesson to learn from Micaiah. When we think about what Micaiah was doing, many times we think about what God has told us to do. What God is told is trying to tell mankind to do. He, he needs to get that message to man. God is trying to take his rules, his laws, what he wants man to do and get that to him. And so oftentimes in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and even this very hour, he needs someone who's going to be a herald. Now when we talk about the word herald, we're simply talking about someone who would be a messenger. Someone who would be, a, we use the, use the word, uh, the term a town crier, if you will, an announcer, a proclaimer. All of these things is the job of a herald. But you see the key here, the key here tonight, the key here with Micaiah, the key with you and with me is that when the message that the herald has does not originate with the messenger, the message that the herald has doesn't come from himself. And in the case of the picture on the screen, the message that the herald is giving is from God. Because you see, any person who rejects the message that's given, they're not rejecting the herald. They're not rejecting the messenger. Specifically in the case of what we're talking about here, they're rejecting God. You know, you've heard someone possibly say before, well, I didn't really like what that preacher had to say this morning. And that happens sometimes. But many times, if it's me in particular, I'd say, in some ways, that doesn't really matter to me. Because as long as I'm giving the message of God, that's all that I can do. See, the message doesn't come from me. The message comes from God. I can do my best to say it in a particular manner that is helpful, that is encouraging. You know, we talk about preachers stepping on people's toes. I'm not here to bash you and beat you down and tell you how sinful and terrible we all are. But sometimes... Hopefully every time that I stand here and anyone that stands in this pulpit delivering a message, the message is from God. Micaiah says, I'm only going to speak as the Lord has revealed it to me. 
That's all that I'm going to say. When we think about being someone who might be lost in the credits, someone who might be someone who is ordinary, that's okay. Especially when we speak as God would have us to speak. And we think about the case of us in particular. We know 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Well, what a grand statement to be said. That if I'm going to speak, if you are going to speak, we need to speak as the oracles of God. No more, no less. That's what we need to be sharing with others. We think about 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 2 through 4. Where Paul says, preach the word. He tells Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Why? Why would Paul take the time to encourage Timothy to do that? Because he says it. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I'm reminded, of course, of what happens to Stephen in the book of Acts. You know, it's not necessarily itching ears, but the words used there by Luke, recorded by Luke by inspiration, is that they're putting their fingers in their ears. I'm not listening. I'm not going to listen. Paul says this is going to happen. People are, are not going to listen. But we must continue to deliver the message that God has given to us. We think as well in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 31 uh, Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 31, the, the principle, if you will, this idea continuing on, Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 31, that, and, and this happened a lot, you know, we, we've talked about Daniel here on Wednesday night, some and various things, we think about those guys who were prophesying during this time, the children of Israel, we know this was the case, the prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power, and my people Love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? People like to have their back scratched, their head rubbed. They like to feel comfortable, encouraged by things. But we must continue to preach the message of God. And if it's rejected, so be it. But hopefully it will be received. We can learn from Micaiah, first of all, this evening that we need to speak as the Lord reveals to us. Number two, one of the lessons that we learn from Micaiah is he had a godly reputation. Now, this is an important passage, and it turns out very small on the screen, so if you're following along, or you can listen as we'll read it together. But 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 7 and 8. As Jehoshaphat and Ahab are having this discussion, trying to decide what to do, they ask, can we, can we talk to some people? Can we talk to somebody who might help us? And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? And the king of Israel, Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say such things. You see, Micaiah here has a godly reputation. Ahab has to flat out say, I don't like him. And I don't like him because he's, he's preaching because he, he just doesn't make me feel good. I, I don't like him exactly because of what he, say, what he says. Ahab says, I don't like him because he tells me the things I don't want to hear. He prophesies not good things concerning me. The truth is tough sometimes on us. We'll get to that here in just a moment. But when we look at Micaiah here as someone who seems ordinary... 
He may seem ordinary, but yet he has a godly reputation. And Ahab remembers him, but doesn't necessarily want to, but he recognizes that he is a man of God. But one thing that we want to recognize as well as we make application to ourselves is the idea that while we can have a godly reputation, it is possible to destroy it. Again, the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. It is possible that we could lose our godly reputation. And the question is, sometimes, how long does it take? doesn't take very long at all even as we've been on this trip the last few days with the the members of this congregation here it wouldn't take but one crossword from someone one one shortness of anger with someone for for someone to turn around and look at the rest of us sitting on the bus or together and go if you're with them i don't want a part of any of that all it would take is just one moment of one set of angry words to lose a positive influence among people that we come in contact with. Micaiah had a godly reputation. But we must remember it's possible to destroy it. Paul says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. That's difficult for us sometimes. We don't always get our way. Things don't always go the way that we think they should. But we should try our best to remain blameless, harmless, without rebuke. And when we are that way, we'll stand out. We'll stand out because we are in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We'll stand out because we are different than those around us. We look at Micaiah, he had a godly reputation. As Jehoshaphat asked the question, Ahab says, Yeah, there's this other guy I know, but I know he's a good guy. He's not going to tell us what we want to hear. That's a good thing many times. And it allows us to be extraordinary by God, be used in extraordinary ways because we're setting the right example. Number three this evening, he was hated for his stand for the truth. Again, back to 1 Kings chapter 22 and verse 8, as was read for us just a moment ago, as we said, Micaiah the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, he is the one man, but I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. He was hated for his stand for the truth. You know, we don't know exactly what takes place here in this passage. But I would almost be willing to bet all I got that this wasn't a one-time instance. Uh, Micaiah wasn't known for this because of one time that Ahab called on him and one time he said something. I would think Ahab called on him and he gave him a bad report and he shoot him away for a little while. Ahab said, I'll try again and Micaiah gives him another bad report and he, he shoots him away. And of course, eventually he's going to stop calling on him. But I don't think this was a one-time thing. He was hated for his stand for the truth and he was willing to stand so again we think about us and what's important to notice is truth convicts and condemns the sinner this is by design Uh, this is God's plan we wouldn't even be here Uh, there'd be no reason for us to be become gospel obedient there'd be no reason for us to be saved unless we feel convicted and condemned by the truth That's why so many people in the world sit back and they feel comfortable and they're happy in their seat. They don't worry about anything because they're not convicted and condemned by the truth. But that's what the truth does by design of God. We think about John chapter 15. 
John chapter 15, the words of Jesus there. John 15, 18 and 19. Jesus says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That's the way it's supposed to work. That's the way it's supposed to be. If you promote the things that the world promotes, if you have fellowship with the things that the world fellowships, then nobody's going to say anything to you because you just fit in and you go along with everything else. But when you stand against the things that the world teaches, when you stand against the things that the world promotes and the things that the world has fellowship with, you will stand out because truth convicts and condemns the sinner. And Micaiah was willing to make a stand. He was hated for it. It says it plain and simple. Ahab says, I hate him. I hate him. But it's because he speaks the truth. In our world today, it's very easy to kind of go along. We say go along to get along. We have to make contact with people. We have to, to open doors. We have to try to, to connect with people. And that takes effort. And that takes things on our part sometimes. But sometimes we have to make a stand. We have to be willing to, to put our foot down and say, this is what God has to say about a particular matter. Reminded as well in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 and 12, as Jesus there begins the Sermon on the Mount, we think about Him beginning them with the Beatitudes. He says in verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against, or evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, God's people have stood out most of the time. We get into the history of the children of Israel. We get into the period of the judges and, and wanting to be like everyone else. That's the problem. They try to blend in with everyone else. But those who would remain true to God, whether it be the prophets, whether it be those in the Old Testament, whether it be those in the New Testament, whether it be us today, Stand out because truth convicts and condemns the sinner. It's why we get so many angry words hurled at us sometimes when we speak on behalf of God in the word of God of the truth of a particular matter because people don't want to hear it. It cuts them to their heart and they realize they may need to make a change. But Micaiah was willing to do it. And we think about being extraordinary, then we need to do the same thing as well. And then fourth and finally this evening, he was courageous though in the minority. If you've got your Bible and maybe you're still in 1 Kings chapter 22, we back up a few verses from what we were just reading. He was courageous, though in the minority. In verse 6, as Jehoshaphat says in verse 5, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Verse 6, then the king of Israel, that's Ahab, gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for the Lord will deliver into the hand of the king. Now, before we go any further, let's think about this for just a minute. This is King Ahab, 1 Kings chapter 22. I don't know if you flip back a page or two in your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 18, but there's a man by the name of Elijah who's dealing with Ahab. At the end of chapter 18, when all that takes place there on Mount Carmel happens, Elijah kills 400 prophets of Ahab at that time, right? Here we are in 1 Kings chapter 22, 
And we found 400 more kind of out of the blue. I don't know if they had some kind of school these guys went to or they just popped them out out of nowhere. But we've got 400 more prophets who are nothing more than yes men. If you've been in here on Wednesday night, we've talked for weeks now about Daniel. And we've talked about the wise men of Nebuchadnezzar. We've talked about the wise men of Belshazzar. And we've said over and over again, these fools must all go to the same school of ignorance because all they do is tell the king what he wants to hear. Ahab is wanting to go to war. And here they tell him in, in verse number 6, Go and prosper. Go for it, Ahab. That's what you want to do. Go for it. And Jehoshaphat, bless his heart, he, he is a good king, but he's wanting to say, you know, is there someone else? And that's, of course, where Micaiah comes into the mix here. But Micaiah was courageous, though in the minority. Have you ever been outnumbered before? Two to one? Three to one? Five to one? What about 400 against one? Micaiah has to stand for the truth, and he is courageous to speak these things, though he is in the minority. Now, I gave you the homework. If you've noticed, we've only gone about eight chapters here into 1 Kings chapter 22. There's more to this story here that we don't have time to touch on this evening. And I hope maybe tonight or tomorrow or in the next couple of days you'll get a chance to read this. But we can learn from Micaiah that he was courageous, though in the minority. Now, we talked about this recently. We had a lesson on this a month or so ago. But let's talk about it again for just a few more moments. You may recall in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 2, there is the principle. We talk about biblical principles. Things that span the entire Bible. God has always been the same way on a particular matter. In Exodus chapter 23 and verse 2, God says, You shall not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. Now that's what God said. Now, what did your grandmama say? Your grandmama said, if all your friends jumped off a cliff, are you going to do it too? Right? And that's what your grandmama said, or your mama. That's, but it's the same thing. Are we going to follow a crowd to go after whatever it is? God had to tell the children of Israel that in Exodus chapter 23. And your grandmama is still telling us today. But yet we still find so many people who refuse to be in the minority. Want to join in with the majority going along even if it is to evil. We think about Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. Where Paul says, What then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us? Those are encouraging words for many people many times. We have to remember and recall that God is for us. And if that's 400 verse 1, if it's 2 on 1, God can be for us and is for us if we will follow after Him. And then Matthew chapter 10 and verse 39, Jesus says there at the end about bringing division. He says, He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. We think about being in the minority, the division that Jesus brings as we said in the previous point. Jesus brought truth. Truth convicts and condemns. There is division because we don't want to hear the truth many times. We have to be courageous even when we're in the minority. We think about someone like Micaiah, we're reminded of that. We're reminded that even though we might not have heard his name before, even though if the credits of the Bible were running, we might not even pick his name out of the crowd. He stood up here. He was willing to make a stand, stand for the truth. He was willing to be courageous, though he was in the minority. He was willing to say only what God told him to say. And I would submit to you as we begin our week, our work week together, 
we can take those lessons and we can live them out in our life. And if we do so, we'll make an impact. It may not feel like a lot. It may feel like we're lost in the credits. Nobody's paying any attention. But we can have an impact on those that we come in contact with. But as we use this slide many times at the end of our lesson to encourage you, it begins with becoming a Christian. I mean, you can't make an impact for God. You can't be made extraordinary serving for God if you're not a part of His family. As we said this morning, are you in Christ? Are you saved? Are you a child of God? Are you a Christian? God's simple plan is sometimes hard for us to submit ourselves to, but it's very easily understood when we read the Bible and we understand what He has told us to do to become a child of His. And He's made a promise. Made several promises. Jesus made the promise that if we will confess Him before men, He will confess us before the Father. God's made a promise that if we would be baptized for the remission of our sins, He would add us to His church. We can begin living faithfully. Whether we are top billing or whether we're lost in the credits, we can begin living faithfully to Him. But when we get lost in the credits sometimes, we kind of get down and we kind of fall away. We wander away from God and sin enters our life. We're thankful for His second law of pardon, that we can repent of our sin Pray for forgiveness, and He is willing to do just that, that we can walk in the light as He is in the light. The point is, we don't have to leave tonight wondering, questioning, or awaiting. We would gladly study with you even more this evening. If you want to become a Christian, if you want to come back to Him, or if you need the prayers of this congregation, we'll be singing to encourage you as we stand together and as we sing. Live for Jesus, oh my brother, and his son forever be. Render not to any other what alone the Lord should be. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, give him all the has to give. On the cross the world's redeemer Gave his life that thou mightst live Live for Jesus, wandering sinner Under Satan serve no more Of the proudest prize of winner Thou must be when life is o'er Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, give Him all Thou hast to give. On the cross the world's Redeemer gave His Lord that Thou mightst live. Live for Jesus in life's morning, at the noon tide I'll be His. And at it when day is turning, and in hell red in the splits. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, give him all the house to give. On the cross the world's redeemer gave his life that thou mightst live. Be seated, please.